Hi! Hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, and those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. It began for me when a Protestant pastor I was working for asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? Well, that question led me into a tailspin, looking into the history of why I believed what I believed, the the Christian faith, the biblical canon, what happened at the Reformation, where the church went astray, and all those things in between and beyond. And it was then that I began to look into the Catholic Church in earnest and read actual Catholic theologians, Catholic history of the church. And as I began to do these things, it dawned on me that what I thought I knew Catholics believed, and really the history of what I knew to believe as a Christian, a Protestant Christian, was based in large part on misinformation, and more often than not, on simple misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap, the gap between what you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week I am joined by my friend and the guy who got me started podcasting, Matt Panna, to talk about seeking after the kingdom of God. Matt shares his reversion story, raised a Filipino-American Catholic, steeped in Catholicism. Matt kind of strayed into the evangelical church for a bit and then came roaring back into the Catholic faith via a apologetics, and shares his kind of insights on that journey and how the kingdom of God was at the heart of his reversion experience, seeking after that kingdom of God. What does it mean? What are the boundaries? How does it work? How do we understand that? And and how is the Eucharist at the center of the kingdom of God? This is a fantastic and fun conversation. I think you'll love it, and I really hope that you do. This conversation and others on this show, this show in fact, in general, is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic and our one-time donors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. And I have a one-time donor to thank this week. Thank you, Bethany, for your absolutely generous, humbling support of this show. It's people like you who help this thing to keep going and growing week after week. So thank you, Bethany, for your support of the show. Honestly, it's just flabbergasting. <laughs> Is that a word? Flabbergasting? I think it is. <laughs> it's amazing. So thank you, friends. Thank you, Bethany, for your support of this show. And now, without any further ado, my conversation with Matt Panna on Seeking the Kingdom of God. I hope you love this episode. I loved having it. So hopefully you enjoyed listening to it, too. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are watching on YouTube, thank you. Please uh, smash that button, give a like, leave some comments, tell a friend who might want to see this conversation as well. Uh, And thanks for watching. If you are listening on podcast, uh, thank you. Please follow the show wherever you find it. If you're on listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please leave a rating or review because those help to push the podcast out to new people and expand the reach of this thing. And that's 
awesome for you to do that. So thank you. Uh, this is a really interesting and neat <laughs> conversation. It's really a full circle, as you'll see in a minute, conversation for me and for my guest this week. I am mm. joined by uh, Matt Panna. He has a huge biography. I'm going to try and condense it a little bit, but I, I, I'm going to miss out some really important things. Uh, <laughs> he uh, studied at Seton Hall University in 2010 and was elected to the youngest national chair of, is it FIND International? F-I-N-D? Yeah, there's a lot of acronyms in Filipino <laughs> cultural groups. We love our acronyms, oh. alphabets. Also, yeah, it's the East much, Coast's yeah. largest Filipino-American student organization. He graduated and began his lifelong vocation uh, in, in music, becoming like the, or the best drummer in the world, I think, pretty much, is, is how oh, we can... Oh, no, trying. I'm a practicing <laughs> drummer, like a practicing Catholic. I'm just... We're all getting there, you know? It's, so. an, it's incredible. I, all, all kinds of different amazing groups you've, uh, you've worked with here. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, during the band sabbatical, he began his own podcast called Likewise, featuring some awesome, amazing guests. And uh, he started that brand as a blogger and a YouTuber. His latest mission is to cultivate communities and develop engaging content marketing production digital media acting as it communicates oh my goodness this is amazing communication <laughs> consultant for the for the united nations <laughs> he has a master's degree in, in communication uh from purdue in 2018 and he is the media director uh at isda another acronym i don't know oh that's it's permeating that's in my awesome. life i, I love it point. i love yeah. it and hosts uh the deep cuts on the ray of hope network which is awesome stuff covering social media pop culture trends through the lens of mm-hmm. human dignity. I love your work there, Matt. And this is the last bit. I got to read this part. This is, I think you added this on just, just for me. I might have, yeah. In his spare time, Matt can be found watching 80s wrestling. Okay, be right back on that one. Tweeting okay. about Catholicism and binge reading uh, <laughs> Chris Claremont's run of the X-Men. He's also, this is actually a thing apparently, uh, mm-hmm. active as a Yelp elite member attending food events across the city. Yeah, that's also an interesting story I could get to. But I thought I was that also was a joke when you put that in there, but that's apparently it. No, that's it's, a it's a real thing. Wow, that's <laughs> five years running. <laughs> Congratulations! Mm-hmm. I'm like I'm a super Thanks, I'm like a super user on Google reviews. Is that is that like a a thing? It must be a, a Google Elite, right? <laughs> Something to that degree. I did it because they were offering like a free unlimited photo storage when they first launched it. If you got a certain number that's of how points. They get you. So oh, I, no. I left like a trillion reviews on Google reviews, <laughs> and then yeah. they scale back that perk as Google does, and shut down uh, that. So I lost that perk I worked so hard tech for. tech companies. Thanks a lot, Google. Uh, <laughs> Matt, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Dude, you're, <laughs> you're quite the hype man, man. Thank you so much for, for I know this comes full circle for us. I don't know if you want to dive into it right oh, I now, do. but I, do. Um, I, I embarked on my own Catholic podcast covering converts and reverts, and you were one of my first podcast this was back in i think 2018 right i, I think, think it so. was I think you're right. and you had like a nice little makeshift podcast set up back then yeah. not you have the full-on you know <laughs> spiel going on currently today 2023 but, but back then it was just a, a very humble setup like i have here in my home office and we had you know a conversation about you know conversion in the catholic faith and i was a big fan of your blogs and i'm so gl- i'm so super impressed the growth of just the content and if we we're talking about gospel simplicity and everything so thanks for having me on man it comes full circle <laughs> oh thanks for being here yeah, and it's pretty it's pretty cool so this mm. is the thing i'm glad that seemed that that was professional-ish back then that because <laughs> here's the genesis of that and the genesis of, of mm. this show really is from is is you you're the you're the og Guy who got this thing going, Matt. So, mm. so listeners, for, for a deep dive into the, the behind the scenes history of, of this show, right? You had contacted me. I think it was 2018. I think you're right. Was, uh, yeah. You read my blog, I guess, and and we're starting a little podcast mini series, right? Uh, mm. A limited run podcast talking about reverts and and converts. 
And so I, you asked me on the show, so I scrambled to, to honestly climb to our attic up the ladder mm. and grab my, my big orange box of stuff from university that I had tucked away there you know, 15 years earlier, bring that out, dust that off. And I had some recording stuff, some analog recording equipment that I had used mm. when I used to record emo music in my, in my dorm room in university. Wow. Wow, I dusted cut. that off. No I bought like a USB adapter to plug it into the computer. I bought a little like table tripod stand for the mic. It was mm. super flimsy and was and 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 we hit record. And you were the catalyst for for me going. You know what? I I listen to podcast. <laughs> I listen to podcast <laughs> since their inception. I used to hook up my iPod, my iPod Touch, like to Ooh, what a with reference a, with a USB cord. Emo and iPod. Yeah. Okay, we're going in. Let's go. Good. <laughs> going to wrestling afterwards okay mm -hmm. into my computer and i had like a, a program set to run to turn the computer on okay because it was off yeah at like 5 a.m and download my podcast for that day so i could listen to it when i worked in the warehouse i was working at when i was a student in university mm -hmm. so i love podcasting and and you were the catalyst to get me going you know what this guy's podcasting maybe i could i could podcast too and so mm -hmm. this gets even deeper <laughs> Like, I called up my good friend, John Mark Grodi, and I said, hey, we should do a podcast together. And so he got a microphone, and we began this podcast. We got four episodes in, recorded, never released in the wild. They're still in a hard drive somewhere. Oh, wow. And so he's like the, he had a young oh, wow, family. deleted scenes. Yeah, they are. The Catholic. Okay. I had a young family, and we couldn't make it work with the schedule. So I thought, well, I'll just try solo. Yeah. I'll try my own thing and see if I can make that work. And... We, we began that, and that, that began this show. But it all started because you emailed me and said, hey, can you, do you want to come on this podcast I'm doing? So, so Matt, you are, the, you are the genesis of the Cordial whoa, Catholic whoa. Podcast. This is the Old Testament references. Yeah, okay, yeah. No, no, thanks, for, thanks for the affirmation, Nick. Cause, yeah, because my short-lived Catholic podcast is only like eight episodes, and then I got a job in, the, yeah. in, in New York, in Midtown, and that kind of took most of my time. So the fact that that seed planted something that we're on now, currently, like literally I live or recorded at this point, like, look at us. Who would have thought, right? <laughs> no, I think it's amazing. It's such an amazing genesis. You know what? Mm. I and mean, even though you abandoned that thing, Way to go! Damn. Thanks, thanks for nothing. We just all hanging. <laughs> <Right. laughs> I did record same yeah. scene with you because I recorded stuff during the pandemic, like in yeah. 2020, yeah. Yeah. and then work got busy when I came back into the office in New York, yeah. and so I also have three or four episodes just on sitting on one of my hard drives, like literally right here in front of me. So <laughs> that's awesome. Maybe this will inspire me to get it going. Yeah, again. yeah. Well, so, you know what? It was yeah. it was awesome, and I'm grateful that you you began that. I mean, you you yeah, listened you. to to the calling of the Holy Spirit, this idea, mm. the plan and seed. You followed that lead, and as a result, yeah, thanks. You you launched me into a podcasting career that I love, right? And we're we're reaching. I say we because I mean you're a part of this now. You started mm -hmm, this whole yeah. thing, reaching all these people week after week. It's amazing. I mean, I am I'm humbled to to do this mm. week after week. I don't think that I have any magical abilities or special talents to make me good at this apart from just hitting record and finding guests every week but it's you it's you so thank you for for launching this thanks be this to god amazing man. podcast thanks be to god I should, it's, it's the body of christ at work credit. quite yeah, literally you know, across state lines yeah. across country lines on the on the yeah. interwebs as we I speak so i love it thank you <laughs> okay one more thing before we yes, get it. into the serious uh meat of this conversation matt yeah favorite 80s wrestler oh my god! had to pick one I had to. We're going. You pick we're starting one. off nostalgic yeah. here. You got to pick uh, one. I'm going to say, as an Asian American, um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. 
Like he was like he and like Bruce Lee. These are the only these are the only characters I could see on television that looked remotely like me or remotely looked like my dad at the time. So Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Was your dad you that go. jacked at the time? That's a no, pretty, your well, dad's pretty. I think, yeah. I think every every guy, every kid <laughs> growing up thinks yes. their dad is jacked, and he realizes that's in hindsight true. probably not. That's but like there was the same the same skin tone, and you yeah. you, 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 you didn't find in like Absolutely. the late eighties, early nineties, right? I think so, my dad resembled more yeah. like Jake the Snake. He wasn't like a a built wrestler, right? <laughs> Like he, yeah, he, he didn't have any kind of defined muscles, Jake the Snake, at least no. in the nineties. But he was he, yeah. he was he was strong. Wasn't creepy. He wasn't creepy. My dad wasn't creepy like Jake the Snake is, is a bit of a yeah, sand yeah, stick, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's awesome. I love that. We'll talk more wrestling mm. after we we hit the button and yeah, stop man, the show. Sure. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> I one one of you talked about the pandemic. One of my pandemic uh, guilty pleasures was just binging old wrestling matches on YouTube. Went down a rabbit hole where it was just I, you know it yeah, auto played the next YouTube one. YouTube does that. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I was just lost for hours and days. I think watching old wrestling matches. So mm-hmm. that was an awesome pleasure. Okay, this is a fun conversation to to unpack here. And I want to begin with. Yeah, uh, I guess the the thing that that got you into beginning your podcast was your experience, kind of a aversion to the Catholic faith, like yes. uh, digging deeper, rediscovering kind of the the fruits, the riches of the Catholic faith that. You, that you knew very that you knew and, and were, were raised with kind of digging back into that and and I mm-hmm. guess that was kind of where you began you know thinking about making a podcast to, to showcase those stories so I want to begin there for this conversation if you want to just tell us a bit about your own kind of faith journey mm-hmm. and then I want to dig of the kingdom of God stuff here, because this is cool stuff. We talked about this before I hit the, hit the record button, but this is really fruitful, rich stuff for these kind of conversations. And I, I think might inform surprise kind of, uh, uh, intrigue some of our listeners from different kind of backgrounds, the non-Catholic Christians, the new, the new Catholics to hear th- that kind of conversation and, and some of those things that, that, that flows into, but let's, let's start first with, with your kind of, for own sure. faith journey. So where do, what do you want to say about your, your experience of, of the Catholic faith? Yeah, I will say it's, it's always a never ending journey, right? It's something that like, there's no destination. It's like, Oh, I'm Catholic. I'm done. Like, no, it's, it's a constant journey, <laughs> yeah. man. So I would say just, um, elevator pitch spark notes story of my life. So, uh, grew up culturally Catholic. Clearly I have the, the Filipino flag right next to me. So grew up culturally Catholic all my life. Um, it was interwoven in the, in the faith in a very beautiful, uh, humbling way. The Filipino culture has a lot of Catholic influence, obviously, uh, from Spanish colonial, you know, these kind of mindsets and mentalities that we were kind of given. Um, and I loved it. I love that aspect of just the more of the cultural side of the faith, but obviously like things like going to mass and like sitting through boring homilies and all these kind of things was not a fan of that as a kid, uh, fell off as, as many do, especially a lot of immigrant Catholic, uh, uh, millennials kind of fall out of the faith come college because once they're in university, right, yeah. there's no real need to go to mass because mom and dad aren't telling me to go to mass. I'm not living under their roof anymore. Uh, so fell away from the faith a little bit. Um, and then I was, as mentioned, as you so eloquently mentioned in the the intro of this podcast, um, I, I was a touring musician for a good chunk of my early 20s. I would say from the age of 21 to 26, just in different bands uh, throughout my life. Really blessed to have that chapter of my life. You're, and, you're really um, good too. Just want to. Oh, thank you. By no, the way, was, I was incredibly lucky. I was the Ringo star in the midst of all the Paul, Paul McCartney's and the John, Lennon, John Lennon's of, of the people I played with. But uh, I was incredibly blessed to have that time in my life. And 
the guitarist of one of the bands I was in um, was uh, a member of Calvary Chapel in Old Bridge, uh, my buddy Joe Diaz. And we would just always talk about growing up in the faith in the church because his dad, I think, was a youth pastor. Like my dad was um, was in the choir and all these kind of things. So we, we had a lot of these kind of faith discussions on the road for hours, like driving and on planes. Um, and that became very fruitful for us as, as friends. Uh, and then he invited me to a lot of his non-denominational services. Uh, we had a lot of friends that went to, went to Hillsong, Hillsong Church in New York in Midtown. Yeah. At the time, it was at Irving Plaza in Midtown or downtown Manhattan. Like a cool rock venue, fog machines. You know, the pastor had a cool yeah. leather jacket and skinny jeans. It was great. Um, so when you're in your 20s, it's very impressionable. And I was there, I would say on and off for about, uh, I would say 12 to 13 months uh, going there as opposed to Catholic Mass. And I would kind of, I'd go to Catholic Mass on occasion, but like Hillsong was where I lived. I loved the yeah. community that was there. And there, were, it was a fantastic time in my life that really introduced me to the, the need for relationship. That's something that's really integral in being a Christian, whether either Catholic or Protestant or Orthodox. That relationship is very key. That's, that is a core part of us as Christians, right? So um, through that experience, through that musical experience, love that. And I had this big epiphany where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to lead the Catholic Church because, you know, Hillsong Church speaks to me at the age of 24. Like You think you know everything <laughs> at 24. So I had this conversation with my mom and my mom is uh, my St. Monica, man. I always say this uh, to everybody, my St. Monica. And I'm like, hey, uh, mom, I'm going to leave the Catholic Church because all the churches we go to growing up here in Jersey, it's all a bunch of old people and it's boring and they're very judgy and clicky. And my mom and in her infinite wisdom too, mind you, um, and it's very humbling to kind of always share this testimony about my mom. Uh, she goes, Matt, it's not about the people that have hurt you. It's about the Christ that has saved you. And I was just like, <laughs> like, you know, mind blown, the floodgates open. And I'm like, okay, thanks mom for that. I'm going to make a deal with God. I'm going to go to my, my parents' church in New Jersey, uh, St. Francis Cathedral, which is actually down across uh, the way where I live currently. I'm going to the, go in the parish bulletin and find one more Catholic event. And after this, I'm done with the church, God. And I was like, <laughs> this, you know, angry, angry man yells at cloud Simpsons meme, you know, um, and I'm, I'm reading this bulletin at my parents' church and I find an apologetics workshop at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. And I'm like, okay, this is the only time I'm free. I'll just do this. Whatever apologetics is, I have no idea. And I'm not proud of this. And this is just more of a real transparent anecdote. This is when I was still doing music. So I was in the Greenwich village the night before Friday, that's Friday night, um, I was out drinking and partying until maybe four in the morning. Oh, uh, and then I remembered, oh, I have this Catholic thing I promised God I would do. So I still went to the Catholic thing the next day, literally leather jacket, leather jacket and skinny jeans is going to be a, a theme in this <laughs> podcast. But I was just, you know, greasy hair, just, you know, hungover. And I go to this Catholic event and it's all deacons and seminarians. <laughs> This apologetics oh workshop. God. And I'm like, wow, okay. And I'm like, you know, I'm drinking the, the, the church coffee that they provide and I'm sitting there. And then it was a workshop from Patrick Madrid. He's a Catholic, you know, apologist and all these great things based in Ohio. And he out the gate listed a bunch of evangelical Protestant arguments against Catholicism. And he demolished every argument with church teaching, <laughs> with scripture, church history, the saints, the popes, uh, a lot of evangelicals like yourself that converted to Catholicism, you know, like, like Alan Hunt and Scott Hahn and all these things. And I'm sitting there, you know, this little like, you know, hipster music, you know, Hillsong kid. Uh, and I'm like blown away at this guy's uh, articulation, his argumentation, his eloquence, 
and, it, and it, this wasn't like a triumphant thing. He wasn't trying to be like, oh, like we're right and they're wrong. And it wasn't the, that kind of victorious thing. It was like, wow, this guy's really smart. I like that. I want to learn more. And since then I got into Catholic answers forums and blogs like your own. Right. Um, and that's what kind of led me that, you know, we're all led. I think it's uh, father Mike Schmidt says it best. We're all kind of led whether through head reasons or heart reasons. Right. And I think as a man, for me, I was kind of led more on the intellectual side of like, Oh, like Peter was the first Pope. I never, I was never taught that in Catholic school. That's crazy. Let me, let me dive into that more. Oh, the Catholics, you know, put together the canon of the new Testament. Wow. That's the thing I never, so these little things I just never really took into consideration when diving into these evangelical circles. And, and a caveat, these were great communities. Uh, I, I attended connect church down in Philly. Uh, my buddy, Matt Campana is the, the pastor's son over there. And I went there on and off for about a year and the most welcoming, fruitful, alive Christians I've probably met in my entire life. Right. But I feel like God calling me to more. Um, so the flash. Uh, fast forward to, to, to now and um, not doing the music thing anymore, but still really being active in the Catholic communities now, just being a, a content contributor, uh, working a lot with the Array of Hope Network. They do awesome things and they they scoop me up for a lot of their, their web-based and virtual-based kind of uh, streaming shows. And it's great to kind of still be able to talk about these things and have these conversations. And especially for you to be able to put these um, consistent episodes and content based on Catholic conversations that kind of need to happen because you don't really hear these in everyday Catholic speak, especially what converts and reverts coming back to the faith that always really intrigued me because that takes a lot more courage as opposed to me being like a, like a culturally raised Catholic and just like, Oh, wow, you, you discover something. And I'm not trying to do a disservice to my own testimony here, but for people like yourself that really, that's a, that's a big intellectual shift, cultural shift, you know, lifestyle change in your own lives. So I want to affirm you in that as, as you affirmed me initially, uh, as we got this podcast running, um, it's been very fruitful to kind of hear a lot of your programming and the people you've had on. I shared, a, I've shared your podcast with a lot of friends that were, uh, had issues with the faith, uh, uh that had partners, boyfriends or girlfriends that were evangelical. And I'm like, Oh, listen to the cordial Catholic. They have a lot of good stuff. So you've been doing a lot of great work, brother. And I'm so happy to be on this. Man. Well, thank you. Thank you. We're pretty big yeah. in the Philippines. I, I, I'm told. So maybe oh, thanks, so thanks for sending it. To me. I, I will say because, and this is when I've learned, I have a lot of cousins that are evangelical that are Filipino. Yeah, and a lot yeah. of them either when they come to America, they convert to the evangelical side. Or now I think a lot of missions in the Philippines have a lot of, there's a lot of evangelical missions happening in the Philippines and they're doing great work. It's, I, I'm not doing a disservice to them, nor am I exonerating things. Like I, I'm, I, I'm more mindful of like, that's the new landscape now. Yeah, yeah. Like the Philippines and Latin America isn't just full of cultural Catholics anymore. There is a new landscape of evangelicalism, uh, the nuns, you know, the O-N-O-N-E-S, right? So there's a lot of that going on as well. It's a different landscape, but it's so cool that the Philippines is represented. So props to that. Yeah, It is interesting. I, cause you do, you know what you, you, and, and this is weird for me too, cause being a convert, I'm coming with no mm. cultural Catholic background whatsoever. So a lot of people that yeah. are listening to this show are from that not you know we don't have a catholic background of any kind uh, you know mm. ethnic or historical or what have you i mean i think there probably were catholics in my in my my past you know way back actually i know there were way back when like before world war ii i think my mom's side of the family were were polish catholics mm. who oh, by wow. the time they got to, to to canada were actually converted by the jehovah's witnesses who had like this targeted campaign against catholics coming in post-war very interesting uh, history there Oof. But there's really interesting, I mean, I have a perspective of 
kind of no no Catholics in the family, right? So you're right. This is kind of a weird shift for me. My wife is the same way. She comes from a kind of a Baptist Reformed Dutch background, so no Catholics mm-hmm. in her family either. Uh, and her mom's side was Mennonite. Like you know, her her grandfather left an Amish like farm and struck Whoa. out. It was very interesting story. But again, like no Catholic <laughs> background stories at all yeah. in, in our families. And so it's always interesting to hear about to hear from people who were raised in a culturally or a Catholic a culturally Catholic background because mm. there's a whole other can of worms right there's there's this sense that in some cases it's just kind of the cultural background you're not actually right it's not authentically presented as something you need to actually intentionally follow sometimes or or intentionally choose or or pursue because mm. it's more the background or or sometimes it's the, it's a matter of everything around you is catholic so you you are catholic and you love being catholic and everything you think about is catholic and it's very <laughs> yeah. like I, I it's hard for me to to put that into words because i don't have that ex- that experience but i've heard kind of both of those perspectives i i i, I had the the very awkward experience of running this like evangelical group even evangelizing group for for catholics at my at my parish a few years oh, ago oh no way prior okay. to prior to covid mm. and it was meant to kind of evangelize people who were who were <laughs> this is terrible who were maybe raised Catholic but hadn't actually understood the faith or but that's or that's subscribed. a demographic though that well, is so underserviced. It's what yeah. happened, Matt. It was uh, I was there, and the people who signed up were were three three women, kind of in their like their later forties, so older mm. than I was. I was probably twenty. I don't know, early late twenties at the time, probably or early. Mm. Th- I guess early thirties at that at that point. They were much older than I was. 10 years older or so than I was at the time. And I think one was, one was from like El Salvador. One was from um, like, uh, um, where else, where where were they from? They were all from, anyway, they're all from Latin American countries. The the three Mm. or four of them. That's very sad. And and they were all very much like, they knew way more than I knew with the Catholic faith because they were raised raised Catholic, but they kind of, they kind of identified as not having actually learned the faith, even though they knew way more than I knew as this new convert guy trying to run this session but they had they had these crazy questions like like questions i'm sure that maybe you brought to or that you heard patrick madrid address oh for go, sure yeah oh my gosh mm-hmm. that's interesting because they there were questions that were like in the atmosphere to talk about at that time right so they they had all the knowledge of what it means to be catholic but these really simple kind of not simple that may maybe sound a bit condescending but these questions that a, a protestant might ask you they had no idea about because those questions mm. weren't being asked at the time. So it was really, yeah, you, you just accept it. If it's very like um, environmental atmospheric religion, like the way Catholicism is, and it's, it's a good thing. Don't get me wrong. But when it's just a part of your culture, you yeah. don't really ask it. It's like, Oh, my dad's doing it. My mom's doing it. I might as well do it too. And you don't really realize these things. And one thing that's really great about the universality of the church is, you know, I think to some degree, and I don't know if this is, um, I don't say canon, but like they're theologically sound, but, um, in the Philippines, or at least a lot of Filipino households, we have the uh, the Blessed Mother, Our Lady of Guadalupe, normally in, in our homes. So I thought that like the Our Lady of Guadalupe was a Filipino thing growing up. I, I didn't know it was a Mexican thing until I had like Mexican friends. They're like, no, like it's a Mexican thing. I'm like, no, it's, I think it's a Filipino thing. And you realize that was one of the things I'm like, wow, yeah, like the, yeah. the, the, the universality is there. It's live and well. The Philippines is all the way in the Pacific, whereas Mexico is like literally yeah. south border from both Canada and the States, right? And that we still... Uh, 
venerate the Blessed Mother to that degree, right? And that's the beauty of the Catholic faith. So I think that's one thing I learned is like taking a lot of these traditions, whether they come from Spanish colonial upbringings or uh, immigrant upbringings, and, and kind of reclaiming that and understanding like where does that come from and what's the importance of it. It's not just something to have on at your on your parents' you know living room altar or. Uh, a fireplace or whatever. I think this, this, the Santo Nino or the, this, the the infant of Prague is really big in a lot of Filipino houses too. And it's like, people are like, oh, it's cool, little baby Jesus. It's great and all, but what's the significance of that? Like really asking, dive deep. And that's what kind of led me to, you know, podcasts like yourself, the blogs like you, you would post originally. Um, why do we have these things? Yeah. And then once you ask, I think the, like the world opens, the Catholic world does sure. open up for you. I think God opens those doors for you if you really seek these things. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah. A perspective like yours, somebody who was raised in a very Catholic culture, mm-hmm. you, you have so much to bring to to the church in general. People like me who like want to know like more as a convert like, about, about the faith, yeah. right? You have that deep wellspring to draw from. I mean, I think that's that's amazing because here we are, you know, our family trying from scratch to create a Catholic culture in our house. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I talked to a, talked to a friend who was uh, who's from like Portugal or, or not Portugal from from Poland. Mm-hmm. Who was raised Catholic in a very in Canada, but in a very port in a very Polish Catholic household. Yeah. Right? Who who can share oh yeah, here's what we did growing up. Here's some things that we traditions that we had that we loved, that we practiced, that that you know we're trying to raise up with our kids now. And for us, like converts who are hungry for for how we can we can really foster a Catholic community in our house. Like, you know, guys like you, Matt, are like, are like tell us, tell us, what can, what can we do? What should we, what, what, <laughs> what can we do for Christmas and up, Easter? Right? Yeah, because it, it's, it's, we're building yeah. something that, that you grew up with. You grew up surrounded wow. by it, which I think is. That uh, like, adds so much, and thanks for the affirmation, because I think oftentimes we, especially Filipino and Asian Americans, right, it's we, we have these cultural things from our parents and it's like, do we, do we pass those on? What, what are the values of these things? Are these things like jammed down our throats? Are they just cultural, you know, atmosphere? things like i mentioned yeah. um but it, it's interesting conversation with like the growing converts in like the, this millennial our millennial demographic right like what are they what are the converts going to do what are what are your traditions? i'm interested to kind of hear if you consider these things with you and your wife like what traditions will you kind of have for your you know convert you know founded family yeah. here well what yeah. will you adopt certain things like that's stuff i'm really interested in and the fact that you're seeking that that you're craving that i think it's a that's something that god planted within you man that's a seed yeah, and yeah, power it, that blossoms man it's, um i love to see it it's crazy because that's one of the conversations that one of the things I get most uh, questions I get most often in this show because mm-hmm. we're all a bunch of these crazy converts who are then trying to raise our kids that we're having <laughs> yeah. uh, in the faith that we're still learning ourselves. Mm, so it's wow. a really weird kind of dynamic, and I've had a couple of really so good shows man. on that. It is very humbling, right? Because mm-hmm. we have we have. Thankfully, I think the solution is that I'm learning more and more, and, and I'm learning from from guests who are wiser than I am at this kind of thing. One of the keys is just to surround yourself with good Catholic families who Amen. know what they're doing, right? Who maybe Amen. are a bit older yeah. than you, who could mentor you. Who mm. I think the worst case would be a whole bunch of converts in one just one group together with no no <laughs> reference point, like no one to, <laughs> yeah, to right. talk to. No you need some you need some yeah. cradle Catholics in there, people who are raised in Catholic culture, people mm. who are raised Catholic, who can kind of help you navigate that, but. It's it's a weird, humbling experience, right? To think that you are, I mean, I hope we're not wrecking our kids, all of us converts, but we're really, <laughs> uh, you know, on the fly sometimes thinking through how we're going to do Christmas this year. What can, what can we try new? What can we jettison that didn't work last year? What can we do at Easter? What, mm. what, it, it's a really interesting experience to kind of, uh, and like you said too, there's 
just so much in the Catholic faith, the universal Catholic church you can tap into, right? There's, oh my gosh, yeah. Gosh, there's so much you can access from so deep. So yeah. many different cultures, different devotions, mm. different things you can bring into your practice of the faith. I had, I had a guest on uh, recently talking about Christmas traditions and his, his jam was, was the Christmas goblin, right? It's <laughs> this ancient, ancient, I think German tradition of this Christmas <laughs> okay. goblin. Sounds like Spider-Man villain. And him and okay. his family, right? <laughs> yeah. Dr. Matt Foley, who wrote Drinking with the Saints. Mm. Uh, him and his family have, you know, have, have resurrected for their, for tradition in their family. But it's this weird, like, talk about a super obscure, like Catholic tradition, this <laughs> yes. is like this is like a deep dive. This is super weird. Out of the box, man. Maybe wow. scares his kids every Ooh. year. This probably <laughs> driving them to therapy. But hey, that's that's I know, yeah. That's for between him and God and his and his kids later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, God. Okay, but I think it's good that they that I think yeah we all kind of crave that sense of I wouldn't say it's tradition because like tradition can be a loaded word these days. But like I think we all crave that sense of just like. And that's not even nostalgia either. We're talking about nostalgia too. I think they want consistency from what they were raised with. They want, they want to pass that down and you don't want that to be lost or forgotten. You want to, there is that inherent need for us to want to pass something down to the next yeah. generation, right? Yeah. Um, so I hope that you find that. In, and one thing that I will affirm you in is like the fact that you and your wife are converts, there is that sense of like, the kids can recognize the fact that you're hungry for the faith yeah. and that you're yeah. learning and growing in that. And I think it's really, really good because I learned a lot from my parents and they weren't converts per se. They weren't really into the faith in terms of like a apologetics and let's talk about the faith. Like they, they weren't really big into that growing up, but, but they're seeing that they were hungry for it and that they were genuinely authentically passionate about it and dedicated to it. Uh, I always talk about this uh, and like all the men's groups I'm a part of too, where my father um, wasn't the most like articulate guy, typical immigrant Filipino dad, great dad too. Don't make good, but he wasn't like, Hey, let's talk about the faith, everybody. Like he wasn't that kind of, you know, <laughs> suburban sitcom nineties dad at all. Um, but one thing that one anecdote that I always remember to this day was in the early nineties, uh, my dad uh, was in between jobs, uh, typical immigrant struggle. And what he did during his free time was he would do the Saturday morning mass, yeah, daily mass yeah, yeah. or morning, mind you. So this is, I think, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. at our little suburban Catholic church here in New Jersey. And my dad would bring my brother and I every Saturday morning oh, without great. fail. And mind you, this is the 90s. So this is like Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. So of course, my brother and, and me are like, no, we're not going to go to this at all. So my dad or my mom, more so in her infinite wisdom, and uh, 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 props to my mom here um, on this podcast. Uh, she's like, yo, Tony, why don't you take your kids the kids to get Dunkin' Donuts and like milkshakes after or whatever, like get some sweets and sell them on the desserts, but they have to go to mass. And obviously, you know, we're both little chubby Asian kids. So like, yo, let's, let's go. Why not? So my dad, and he would bring us consistently for, I think a couple of years, every Saturday morning. And my dad would dress the nines. He would get like, you know, suit and tie. And this is the Saturday morning mass. It was all mostly Polish and Irish grandmas at this mess. And like these, these three Filipinos, the little Filipino family that would go. And my dad would bring my brother and, in me every single Saturday and to see my dad's dedication to the mass. And even though he wasn't like explaining the mass necessarily, or he wasn't talking about the the church or whatever, uh, or apologetics, he wasn't getting into deep theology with me as a kid, but to see my dad wake up every morning, put a suit and tie on, he practiced, uh, the readings in our little, you know, uh, minivan in the nineties. And he'd read the Magnifica and he practiced the readings in the driver's seat. When we, when we parked in church, little things like that. So I think you as a, you as a father, no matter what you do, I think your kids will be able to understand and really accept and really admire the fact that you and your wife are very hungry for this. So I'm really looking forward to see how your kids turn out in this like new convert family Catholic space, man. Man, that is such a beautiful story, Matt. I, mm-hmm. lo- I love that, that I can hear in your voice what that means to you, that story. Mm-hmm. And 
I mean, that is just so impactful. Like to think that what your dad was doing there had such a profound impact on you. And I'm sure the seeds that planted, we, you, we can't even figure, we can't even understand oh gosh. even to today. Still blooming, right? I mean, man. Still we'll, blooming. We'll, yeah. we'll know like at the, you know, at the end of all things, when, when yeah. we had to be the vision and God imparts to you, <laughs> we can see the whole scheme of things. <laughs> yeah. What that simple, those simple acts your dad was doing, that that's just, that's amazing. It's the little <laughs> things, man. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I want to talk about the kingdom of God, right? When I asked you what's on your mind uh, when we first uh, arranged this interview, you yeah. said the kingdom of God, and I thought that's a great topic because one of those one of those things. I mean, first of all, what we meant by that as non-Catholic Christians was a, a, an interesting thing. I don't know if we mm. knew always what we meant by that. We meant the same thing all the time. It, was, it, it could mean different things, different people in different places, different denominations. It means a, a very tangible thing. For, for a Catholic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but but there's so much to, to unpack in there. So yeah. I, I don't know if I ask you, maybe what's on your heart when mm-hmm. I ask you what the kingdom of God is is to you? Maybe we can start there. I think one thing that was a big selling point um, with a lot of the, the apologetics, you know, figures, whether it be Madrid, Han, uh, that kind of sold me on Catholicism initially, obviously the head stuff, right? But more so like that the kingdom was a tangible kingdom. Right. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. something that was like, you know, imaginary or something that was lo- head, head in the clouds or something that was so distant. It was a real tangible thing for Catholics. And um, and kind of drawing back to a little bit of my conversion reversion testimony, uh, one of the one of the sermon series or uh, message series that they had at Hillsong back, I think, in 2016, when I was going there uh, was at the time, Pastor Carl Lentz was talking about uh, I think that the message series was titled uh, Dive Deep or Dig Deep. And he was saying like, oh, read, you know, everything you can about Bible commentaries and scripture and history. Right. And I'm like, OK, let me dive deep in this context. And when I come, I was going between like Protestant and Catholic resources, one thing that I did find within the Catholic stuff was that like the kingdom of God is real. And the big thing and I wasn't really raised with this growing up, um, but was the luminous mysteries. Which I, I think they came out probably what early mid two thousands. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. They came a little bit later than the, than the original three. And one of the mysteries in the luminous mysteries is the proclamation of the kingdom. And it's not like you know a kingdom of you know imagination or convenience or preference. It's a real physical kingdom. So I think the biggest thing for me when I was kind of finding my way outside of evangelicalism was uh, what's what's something that's structured and tangible and real. So it's, it wasn't necessarily an argument for Catholicism. Uh, it was more so an argument for some sort of apostolic succession. Like I was looking into Anglican. I have a cousin who's Episcopalian. Um, I was always int- intrigued by Orthodox uh, divine liturgies. I was like doing a lot of deep dives on YouTube, <laughs> like learning about what they yeah. th- what they do and what they believe. And I've always I like that lineage. That really like intrigued me a lot. You know, as, as kind of like a nerdy historical kind of kid, like. Where does that lie? And a lot of the evangelical uh, denominations that I was kind of, or these kind of big mega churches uh, I was attending were great and they were fruitful and beautiful and loving. But like, I was like, okay, so where does this come from though? Like, where, where's your roots at? Like, even as like in, in America, for example, we have a succession of presidents, right? And our own family trees to some degree, we know like, oh my, I know my father came from this island in the Philippines and my mom came from this island. You know, we, we know our roots to some degree. So I think we all have that like, want as human beings to know, know where we came from. You know, what's the old adage of no history, no self, no history, no self, K-N-O-W, N-O-W, you know? So we all, all, all we all want to, ha- we all yearn for that, I think, deep down. I think that's what I was yearning for. So the, like I said, it was more so uh, an inclination and a, and a yearning for some sort of apostolic succession. That was what I think my initial um, craving for the kingdom was, if I could call it that. Yeah. 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 That's good. And mm-hmm. that That's the 
interestingly enough, that's, I think, the urge of a lot of non-Catholic Christians, right? Looking into the Catholic church. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you, you experience these evangelical churches that really, you know, I, the church that I attended when I was in high school, up into the early years of university in my, in my hometown, was founded mm. by the current pastor's father, right, in, in the 50s. Like, he bought this land and started this church, right? That was in a denomination that began in, like, the 30s, Right, there was an mm. offshoot from this charismatic revival that began kind of ten years earlier or something. But right, you you still get to a point where you're like, well, what what's what's our roots? Like where like where at what point did did, did Jesus kind of start this thing? And I I had a, a Facebook uh, look back this week recently from like I think you know ten years ago this week I was in Costa Rica with my wife. We were mm. on vacation. It was it was spring Thanks break. Yeah. We didn't have kids yeah. yet. And I'm reading St. Francis de Sales' uh, Catholic Controversy at the at poolside. I wrecked, I should drop the book in the pool later on. The, <laughs> in the picture, it's all nice. And like, and then later on, it came home and it was just tattered because <laughs> yeah. it got soaking wet. It's God's sense of humor. Yeah. But St. Francis de Sales was this, was this, uh, the Bishop of Geneva during the Reformation in exile, writing to the reformers um. who were influenced by Calvin and, and Luther and Zwingli. It struck me, like, hit me in the head, like right in the face. It was a really impactful, kind of very tangible kind of uh, assault when I read his words. Yeah. And Gosh. he was like, okay, so word. who gave you guys the authority to start that church you started there? Like, where does that, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. as, a, as a, you know, as a, a non-Catholic Christian going, well, yeah, but who did, right? Because up to this yeah. time, there was, the Orthodox, yeah. there was the Orthodox schism that happened, <laughs> yeah. right? They still maintained a kind of lineage, right? They still maintained apostolic succession yeah. in, mm-hmm. in their own in their own way, apart from the Pope, right? And it became a kind of separate thing, but that was so important to them. But suddenly the reformers go, no, we don't need that anymore. We don't need a a succession. We can just, you know, this guy can be a pastor and start this church here. And Mm -hmm. there was no no lineage. No one kind of ordained him or laid hands on him. It was a brand new concept to just go and begin a church like that. Mm. And I kind of went, well, here I am, (laughs) this this charismatic (laughs) Pentecostal, in a church that, that, you know, this one began in the 50s. Like, the one I was at, at the time with my wife actually began in, like, 2003 or something. It was, like, it was oh, very, wow, so or 98, I think, was, was when more, it was More recent, yeah, this, yeah. This student church that grew into a family church that was very kind of non-denominational and, and very uh, kind of didn't have a lot of things the normal church would have. It was very kind of uh, esoteric. But that struck me as... Yeah, this is an actual issue. Like, where does this mm. where does this authority come from, right? If we're calling this the kingdom of God, if Christ came to establish this, well, what does that mean when when anybody that I'm following can go and kind of start a church and go, "This is my my thing here now." It was like smack. Like, wow, what, oh, wow. what? <laughs> yeah, but it's great that I think you 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 were especially on vacation. So yeah. kudos to you. Yeah. I do not read books on vacation. You know? uh, it's not a leisurely thing uh, for me personally. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the fact that you, you yearn for that. And also you mentioned the laying of the hands, which I think to kind of go back to like the Catholic speak again, like it's just like, that is so integral. And I've been doing Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmitz. Uh, and I'm a little behind. So I'm catching up. I'm not sure what episode <laughs> I'm on now. Uh, the episode 300 something, I guess. But uh, there's a there's a part I think in, in in Acts where he's talking about like yeah like the apostles had a succession protocol they laid hands yeah. on the next generation and you I learned about a little bit about the early church fathers when I was getting into a lot of um, Alan Hunt and Patrick Madrid's work and I'm like wow like okay so that's that's it 
that's really cool because I've always had these this big these big yearning uh, kind of questions similar to you where I would go to these evangelical places and I'm like okay so like yeah these started relatively recently but I always I envisioned even when I was growing up Catholic and and reading a lot of Paul's you know epistles in the second reading right I always wonder like this Paul guy seems very very uh, energetic and charismatic and proud and like in your face what if he you got a DeLorean and a time machine and brought him to 2023 what church would he find some yeah, sort of comfort yeah, yeah. and solace in and I always thought that as a kid and but but I always felt like okay like the, the church in the bible was such a long time ago the dark ages happened and then the reformation and the, that we're here in the modern day but you forget like no there is a, a lineage for better or worse because there were there were horrible popes and there was like a lot of yeah. controversy there too i'm not going to sugarcoat these things but the fact that there is some sort of timeline that's so much easier for a lot of people to grasp so the, I'm, I'm so glad that you had that inclination you know out of all out of all places too and i'm so glad that you, you had this kind of yeah this this kind of yearning for that i think that's really admirable and the book went in the pool and i ruined it so i, I didn't I know. Really, I yeah god's sense of humor man yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kingdom of God, like today yeah. for you, when you think of conversations with 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 Catholics, with non-Catholics, with with mm, other yeah. other guys trying to humbly seek the kingdom, what kinds of things come up? What's what's on your mind? Yeah. Um it's funny I had this conversation actually early this morning uh with my young adult group. <laughs> and it's and, and this is one thing I, I I ended the conversation. I'll 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 start off with the end of the conversation where I mentioned that, you know, iron sharpens iron. And that conversations like these are good for the soul when you have a lot of interesting uh, concerns and qualms with certain aspects of the faith. So I mentioned, I kind of disclosed to my young adult group that I'm struggling with the concept of purgatory. That's something that like you, you're raised in like, you know, cultural Catholicism as like, this is a terrible, bad thing. You gotta be scared of purgatory because flames and all these kind of, all these kind of crazy images as a kid. And um, as a Catholic, I'm like, you know, why does this still trigger me? Let me just do some research on these things. Like, like yourself, like we're, I think we're very bookish people. Like, oh, I just want to learn more about this. So I brought this to my young adult group and I love them. Don't get me wrong. Uh, okay. I just, this, this, this video helped me on my struggles or at least helped shed some light on my struggles with purgatory. And it was this guy on YouTube. I forget that he's a Catholic uh, YouTuber. And he, and he actually talked about C.S. Lewis's takes on purgatory. And he was actually more of a proponent on more of a Catholic interpretation of purgatory versus the evangelical side, which is very true. And I love C.S. Lewis too. And I'm like, okay, this is a cool video to share amongst my young adult group. Let's see what kind of traction it gets. And you see a lot of responses on like, oh, I don't believe in purgatory. It's a lie. It's this. Oh, oh, I feel. And they have all these kind of things about it. And that's the beauty. I think first and foremost is the beauty of the fact, the fact that God gave us free will. That's the beauty of human free will is that we get to choose, you know, what kind of resonates in our hearts. Right. And what things, what things trigger us and, and, and know these things. But at the same time, my argument was like, I'm not necessarily pro purgatory. <laughs> That's a weird stance to have. I'm more so pro whatever the church teaches in terms of like, right. let, let's know what the church teaches. You may disagree with it, and flat out, that's that's your prerogative. You know, you're a human being. You know, I'm I'm setting that boundary. You know, uh, as a friend, but don't be like, oh, the church says this thing or that thing. No, I think let's let's do some research and figure that out first. And I think if we if we open, and this is what I, I kind of taglined toward the end of the, of the discussion was like, you know, we need to figure out where our wounds are when it comes to receptivity. You know, are we receptive to hearing new and challenging things? If we are, that's great, you know, by, by the grace of God. But if we're not, why are we so, uh, ha- why are we having these visceral reactions right. to things that give us, you know, some sort of contention, you know, whether it's things like purgatory or, or all these kind of things, right? So that's something to ponder on. 
And that's one thing that I realized with, I think my discussions a lot with men's groups, a lot of my discussions with, um, you know, a lot of different Catholic communities in the young adult space here, uh, where it's like, where's your kingdom lying? And oftentimes a lot of their rebuttals to purgatory and rightfully so I, I I'm there with them. I'm, I'm not, I'm also kind of struggling and wrestling with purgatory myself, to be quite honest, to be transparent here. But a lot of their arguments were like, for me, I believe this about purgatory or I'll, I, I've read somewhere. And for me, it was a lot of, for me, for me, yeah. well, I think this, I think that, and that's great to have your own intellectual, you know, interior castle, so to speak, right. To pull some Catholic terminology, but the kingdom of, of Christ is not a kingdom of me. Yeah. It's a kingdom of, of he, right? It's a kingdom of him. And I think oftentimes, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because I'm, I'm so guilty of this myself even, where the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of your own personal preference. It's not a kingdom of your own convenience. And I'll even say uh, with all, a lot of these divisions with like the Novus Ordo in Latin right now, um, the kingdom of God is not a kingdom of your superiority complex. <laughs> Because um, I've, 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 I've attended both the Novus Order and the Latin Mass, yeah. and I, I love both. I've, I've, I've really had great experiences in both contexts, right? For me, that's my own personal walk and journey. Um, but when we, we think that Christ is the king of, of the rad trads or Christ is the king of the super liberal Catholics or whatever, you know, no, the Christ is king, Yeah. period. Full stop. <laughs> like Christ is king. And what, what kingdom, uh, what does that kingdom look like for you? And where does that kingdom reside? Yeah. And I think for me personally, apostolic succession and infrastructure and all that kind of good stuff really led me to the Catholic faith. And and that might lead people as well that are considering, or that may lead you to orthodoxy, for example, or whatever that might may lead. Obviously, it's the cultural Catholic, so let's get this be (laughs) let's do just let's do a justice here. But I think that's kind of where I am when it comes to the kingdom. Is that it's a tangible kingdom, it's a real kingdom, and oftentimes we let the, the the kingdom of ourselves, you know get in the way of the kingdom of God yeah. and how, and how do we come back to that? And I, I'm, it's more of a rhetorical question, honestly, cause I've still figured it out. Like I was telling my friends, I'm not a theologian here. Like let's consult the pastor at church. I don't know these things. I'm just telling you all that I, I had a, a qualm and an issue with something and I did research. And yeah. I think that's one thing that will lead a lot of people to the faith. If you really do research yeah. things, you know, I think, you know, questions lead to answers and answers lead to the truth. I'm a big believer in that. And I think that led you to where you're at that led, us here today. So I'm really interested to hear your, your take on the kingdom as well. And whether through your own experience or all the, the plethora of guests that you've had, uh, because that's a, that's a discussion I think that could really arouse a lot of discourse. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's your humility yeah. too, honestly, that humility oh, gosh. to Amen. say, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm wrestling with this. I'm struggling with this thing here. here mm. That humility, I think, and I'm, I'm not very good at being humble. This, the cultural Catholic is an aspirational <laughs> title. Ask my wife on, on a good day. I'm like medium, not like passive aggressive. So cordial mm. is like the, the, kind of the the bar i'm aspiring yeah, it's to it's a goal it's a goal it's, yeah. this is a, this goal. Is a goal-oriented show I got you yeah <laughs> but that humility honestly that, that humility i think honestly just to say mm. i'm not sure about this i'm working on this that too is so appealing i think to people who are looking into the faith or looking to to dig deeper in their faith to see somebody who's actually authentically wrestling with these things and yeah. is willing to say i'm not really sure what i think about this mm. I, I, but i'm i'm trying to figure it out kind of thing right i think that's that's beautiful i think for one thing I think the second thing that appeals to to so many converts on, that I talk to on this show, and myself certainly included, my wife as well, friends we have who who are converts, is like that the boundary of the kingdom that there are tangible boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the church, so true, is not this kind of uh, abstract idea, right, or philosophy. Like there's a catechism, it's thick, and it tells me <laughs> what the church believes, right, and I can go, you know what, yeah. 
army Catholic, or you know what? Nah, no thanks. And I've said this before. This is maybe my my new tagline, and maybe it's not a very good tagline, but the Catholic Church doesn't care what you think, right? <laughs> yeah, wow, in that sense, marketing slogan. Yeah, <laughs> it's it actually. Yeah. you know what I mean, like. It sounds very, it sounds very rude and off-putting to a to a, mm-hmm. a, a, the zeitgeist where it's all about me and when my needs mm-hmm. and, and my focus and what yeah. I want and my opinion. But the, the the Catholic Church, like Chesterton says this, right, is the antithesis yes. to that kind of mm-hmm. attitude, and it's true. Like the, the, you can be Catholic or not be Catholic. You can wrestle with it or just totally say no, no thanks. Right, I think actually yeah. you should wrestle with it. You can't be Catholic and not wrestle with it. You Amen. should be Catholic yeah. and wrestle with it. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's we love wrestling. Big wrestling fans. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> wow. There you go. Full so, circle. There full you go. circle. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, you should be wrestling with your faith daily. Like that yeah. daily conversion, right? But mm-hmm. you can you can choose to know. Hey, this is the boundary. This is what the church teaches on this kind of thing here, right? Yeah. You can choose to not believe it and put yourself outside of that. The church isn't going to change for you, though, right? Is the interesting thing, right? There are, there are boundaries to that that kingdom of God and you can know you know what those are they're not mm. like a they're not a, a nebulous philosophy right I, I think that is a, a cool thing right coming from you know in, in a culture that's very much shifting like you know mm. even even year to year decade to decade that our, our values are shifting as a culture what we think is important is, is often us right? Very me focused. Here's this giant thing that's been around for 2000 years. that says, look, here's, here's what the kingdom Christ started still going. Mm-hmm. Here's kind of the, the boundaries. Here's what we believe. Still going. Yeah. Right. And you can choose to, to, to dig in there or not. And I hope that we make it sound appealing. I'm not in this. We make it to some degree, right? But you yeah. know what? I think that's, that's a unique thing. It's kind of remarkable. You can just choose to, to, to be in there or not. It's not going to change for you, though. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not going to cater to you, and I think that's a really powerful, very countercultural, you know, thing there. If that makes no, sense. no, I think it's really it's re- great that you brought you brought up boundaries. I think that's something that's very important. Where it's like when there are pop, like proper boundaries, like real, yeah, uh, right. authentic, tangible boundaries. It's like, you know, the old adage of, you know, good fences make good neighbors, right? I think that that's important to have. And these, they don't restrict you, but they actually allow for more freedom. And I was actually, I had a conversation with my cousin um, in Chicago uh, and my cousin has always been super diehard Catholic forever. Like he was super about the faith ever since like I can remember even in college when I fell off, he was still going to mass. He was very active in campus ministry, all these things. And then it's funny because we were always close Don't get me wrong. But when I kind of came back to the faith, we became even closer because of these kind of uh, ties to Catholicism. And he was saying something along the lines of like, you know, it's actually freeing to be Catholic to some degree because yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. this is what we believe in. I don't have to second guess or think. And of course, like I said, there's there's it's important to wrestle with things. We're not robots that, you know, just kind of accept the program of the Catholic church. And we're just like, we, we march onward. No, it's not how it is. But like we, there is some semblance of structure and semblance of like, Oh, this is what it teaches. Do I agree with it or not? Do I wrestle with things or not? Just press me. There's like, we can have another podcast of things I wrestle with and struggle with. Yeah. To, don't get me wrong, yeah. but to know that, okay, no, this is what the church teaches. It has always taught this. And a little anecdote too, that we're talking about this. Um, I'm, I'm on the leadership team for the, the young Catholic professionals chapter of New Jersey. Uh, and we had our big leadership team meeting. We're really building a great chapter here in the state of New Jersey by the grace of God. And one of the kind of a, a exercises we did as a team was we looked at all the other YCP chapters and what they did right and wrong. And it was funny because they were like, oh, please don't laugh at these things. It's like, we're all trying to learn because this is a kind of a new nonprofit uh, kind of model. And 
I was talking, telling my friend Jonathan about it. So I'm like, you know, listen, like it's kind of evocative of the Catholic church where it's kind of like they, you, you learn from all your mistakes. You kind of see the, the grand narrative of the Catholic church. Like the longer things last, the more things get fine tuned and the more things could last a little bit longer when they learn from, from these mistakes. And I think with, uh, whether it be YCP or the creator scheme of the Catholic church, you know, the fact that it's been around for so long and things are tried and tested and true. And they've been through, you know, like, a plethora of uh, breaks and, and and Protestants, you know, evangelical kind of breakaways and things like that in our history um, and divisions and separations within the church. And even these scandals uh, and by the grace of God, like you, there has been a lot of fruit that has been kind of obtained and learned. And these teachable moments have come from a lot of these things with the Catholic church. Yeah. So I think it's great that you have this kind of, I think it's great that we're having this conversation because it's it's a rare conversation to have with amongst a lot of cultural Catholics that I still meet and uh, alone. And I think being able to have these conversations is very important to know okay where do we stand and where what where are we in relation to the church? I think that's probably the bigger question for all of us here. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great yeah. that's a great point. And you can mm-hmm. know you can you can I mean you can know pretty you can well. Know. Yeah. You can, gosh, you can. There's there there's a definitive you know body of teaching. I think it's refreshing, right? I I have friends who would go through exercises like this. You know, in university, I had friends that would do kind of thing that, they, and I don't know where this came from. This this framework of this kind of a, a, a plumb lining or like measuring your current walk with God against this like this this standard. Right? Oh, so, I see what you mean. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So there would be some kind of like a, 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 a test is the wrong word, but some kind of like metric you'd use to like yeah, and you'd ask sticker, these questions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you go mm-hmm. through this kind of questionnaire, and that would help to kind of grade your walk with God, right? <laughs> but then you think, well, who made this questionnaire? Like, where does this come from, right? Yeah. How is that person interpreting these certain passages of the Bible, and, and how? Do they understand these kind of things, right? It was very arbitrary in the sense that a person in a denomination who was a Protestant made this kind of thing, yeah. and that wouldn't necessarily apply to all the other denominations who practice their faith a bit differently or believe different yeah. things, right? With a different little nuances, yeah, for sure. Right. Where, where the Catholic mm-hmm. Church, right? If, if if we're talking about the kingdom of God proper, like the, this, proper. this thing that cro- cro- yeah. Christ founded, <laughs> right? This 2,000 years old. We ha- we have a measuring stick to to ask ourselves how we are you know how we compare to what the church believes. Where are we mm-hmm. in holding those beliefs? Are we are we figuring it out still? Are we unsure? This, this is the are measuring we, stick yeah, right yes. here. Yes, quite literally, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. And mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful thing to think about and an important question to ask yourself. Are you know are you measuring yourself <sighs> against that measuring stick? Right. And not like you said, like, and I'm the same. There are a million things I haven't figured out yet. And I'm wrestling with that. And I struggle with sometimes, right. Purgatory is, is, is there as well for me yeah. personally, mm-hmm. but we have this, we have a measuring stick to measure ourselves against, to know what the church teaches and how am I, how am I doing with that? Right. It, Cause it's not this, this pill to swallow, right. We're not robots. Like you said, just to follow yeah. these things. It's, appropriate as a Catholic to wrestle with your faith and to ask how you understand these things and how do I, how can I understand these things better and how can I wrestle these things out? Right. And the saints wrestle with things too. How can I give a Jake, Jake the snake DDT on the devil? No, but I was saying, yeah, like the saints also struggled with things. You know what I'm saying? Like, and these, these are people that have mosaics and paintings and stained glass windows in themselves at churches, but they struggled and they wrestled with things, you know, and it's a beautiful human thing. And that's why I mentioned to my, my small group or my, my young adult group. I'm like, you know, we all struggle with things. It's like, I, I struggle with this concept too, as, as, as you mentioned as well yourself. So it's like, like 
that's a human thing to struggle. It's a human thing to have contention toward these things. Because if, yeah, like I said, if we were just kind of taking these, you know, just lackadaisically, we'd just be a bunch of robots or whether they a pill or the robot metaphor, whatever you want to use. I think it's very true. And I think God wants us to kind of struggle and wrestle with these things. You know, wasn't, I think, was it Jacob wrestled with God, right? In, in the Old Testament, right? There is that level of like, there has to be that natural human tendency to have, want to have dialogue. And want to wrestle, you know, iron sharpens iron, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So um, I think it's really important to have have these discussions, especially in lines of how could we learn from the church and learn from what the saints taught us and all these things. Because they went through the they went through the struggle. They went through the muck of it already. Yeah. That kind of helps us prevent us from going through a lot of these things that we should avoid. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. and Jacob actually invented the sharpshooter. You know, Bret Hart claims he, <laughs> he mastered it. Oh, we're going in. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Jacob invented it. I've heard this. It's true. Mm. I, I want to yeah. ask you maybe a couple more things. I don't want to take all your time tonight. We could talk forever. Yeah, on no worries. Honestly, though. The great. kingdom of God, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of evangelization. So the attitude we should have as kingdom-oriented Catholics, and I'm thinking, mm, and I think, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of that tied in with the Eucharist because I think the Eucharist is the number one thing that we have as Catholics Oof. to you know, you know, evangelize yeah. the the masses. Right, that's the thing we have. Right, mm. so so how do we? And I'm, I'm going to give you one example here, and then I'm going to ask you this question. But how do we yeah. act as kingdom-minded Catholics with the Eucharist in in the center? I'm thinking of. I had uh, Father Joshua Caswell on this show. Mm-hmm. He is part of the uh, Cannes regular of St. John Cantius uh, in Chicago. He was, mm. He's a Canadian. He was a convert. Him and his family were, were evangelical charismatic missionaries and moved up to northern Canada to an indigenous uh, you know, First Nations reserve with the intention of, of evangelizing these indigenous Canadians up there. They get there and realize they were all Catholic. And we're actually like reverse evangelized <laughs> oh, by humor. the beautiful God's faith of, of these indigenous Catholics. Mm-hmm. They end up converting as a family and then, wow. you know, going in now, he's a priest, his brother's a priest. They're this fantastic, amazing Catholic family. Oh my and gosh. And he said to me, from one charismatic, you know, Pentecostal to another, he said to me <laughs> that the most charismatic thing he's ever done in his life is to celebrate mass because all wow. the songs we sang as as charismatic Christians, right? This, you know, I want more mm. of God. All these Hillsong songs, right? Yeah. I want more of God. I want more of you, Lord. Like, fill me up with you. I love you bringing all this these, up, man. Yeah. All these songs, right? Uh, the Eucharist is the oh, fulfillment man. of all those songs and that longing. Mm. So you got to solve this problem for us right here and right now, Matt, on the show. To <laughs> no then pressure. steer the whole church <laughs> forward for the next millennium. But okay. like, that's the question is, is how can we take that energy and be a kingdom of God with the Eucharist, you know, leading the way, you know, Jesus Christ really there present in the Eucharist to, to bring others into this kingdom. Because it's not a closed kingdom. This isn't no, like a kingdom, no, this no. isn't like walls of a castle you can't get in. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is this is a movement to invite everybody in to, and to, to, just to show them. Once they, once yeah. they see the Eucharist and know what that is, they're going to they're, they're gonna be drawn in by, by our Lord. Yeah. It's a living thing. It's right. a living thing. The kingdom is a living thing. What do we do? Uh, do which we do, is Matt? very important. I think one thing that, <laughs> oh gosh, hot seat. No, um, one thing that I learned, and I, I said, I'm not a theologian to, to any stretch of the imagination, right? But one thing I've noticed with this Eucharistic revival that's happening currently, where whether it be from uh, the South heading up here to, I know the Bronx has, had this, has a huge Eucharistic revival up here in New York, where literally they're worshiping with the the monstrance open 24 yeah, seven. Like yeah. they were going like all throughout the night, all throughout the day, constantly praise and worship. And, and there was priests there, Dominicans, uh, Franciscan friars. Yeah. It was such a, a, a beautiful dynamic experience. So I would say that like that, 
is the, the kingdom is something that's a living thing as well. It's both tangible and alive. It's not tangible. And it's like, it's not like, you know, this big building down the street. That's like, no, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a living kingdom, which is very important. And it's funny because I was talking to, I, I, I do a lot of, um, now that I'm doing more music on the Christian side of things, a lot of contemporary, uh, Christian and Catholic music for a lot of the communities here in the tri-state area. Uh, and it's been a blessing. And one thing that we've realized is like, we listen to some of these songs from like Maverick city and from Hillsong and all these great Christian artists. And I'm like, they're so close. They're so <laughs> close to, and I have to, I'll have to send it to, I forget. I had a conversation. There's one Maverick city song or maybe it was tribal. I'm not quite sure. Uh, they're talking about like the holiest of holies and, you know, we bow down and all these kind of great kind of more biblical kind of terminologies. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you could do that. But like, you're so, you're so close to the Catholic side. Like if you just kind of like just pivot just a little bit, you, you, you'd, you'd realize the, the beauty and the, the, the all encompassing invitation that I feel like the Eucharist provides and kind of speaking on this kind of topic even further. Um, Cause I love the evangelical uh, season I had in my life, you know, and I, I would commend you for living really being from that upbringing where um, I love this book, um, John Eldridge's uh, wild at heart. One of my favorite books uh, about Christian masculinity um, and authentic masculinity to, to that. Uh, and it helped me during the pandemic when I was in a really low place. And I read this book and to some, and I'm paraphrasing it. And if people that are really into John Eldridge's stuff, I apologize if I'm not doing a, <laughs> good, uh, doing man. good service to this. But to some degree in the book, there is this kind of um, a unattainable or something that all men strive for, which he refers to as like, I guess, the girl with the golden hair. That all men strive to be, you know, uh, to pasture, provide, protect this, you know, the feminine. That's a very masculine inclination that we have as men. And he's going, he's going off and on everything about this woman with the golden hair and this, this absolute, you know, uh, almost infinitesimal, like divine beauty, feminine beauty. And I'm reading this book and I'm like, John. That's the blessed mother, dude. You're so like, bro, you're so close. You know what I mean? So I, it's one thing that, and I love Bishop Barron, who I think he says it best where, you know, I think he was prompted uh, in conversation about divisions between the Catholics and the evangelicals. And he says something along the lines. And I was also, I'm also paraphrasing this as well. Cause he's a great mind um, that it's, it's not about what's right or wrong necessarily. It's about the varying degrees of fulfillment, yeah, right. the varying yeah. degrees of yeah. fulfillment. So I have a lot of family members that are still evangelical to this day and they feel fulfilled in these communities that they're a part of in these churches uh, that they're, they're, they've been members of for decades at this point. And I, I love them and I honor them in that, in that place, in that space that they have with God. But for me personally, in my own journey, my own walk, the utmost fulfillment for me was the Catholic church and has been, and I hope it will continue to be in, in my, in my wrestling and my growth as, as a man. So I would say that like to, to the kingdom, to, to the, to kind of wrap this answer up is that the kingdom is yes, it's tangible and it's living. And ultimately it's not that these, whether they be evangelical or Orthodox or whatever these denominations or separations, if you will, it's not that they're so far away. It's just that they're literally a pivot or two away. Yeah. Is it up to us to to lead them that way? Well, God, or that's something that I can't answer right now. But um, knowing that they're not as far as we think is something that's very important and something we could pray on and pray for and lift up to God in the mass and, and, and adoration. And just to, for them to realize that, that these, these divisions aren't, of course, and there's a lot, I'm not trying to downplay the theological divisions between Catholics and Protestants. I'm not saying that at all, but like understanding, okay, like these, these aren't as, these aren't vast chasms. Because there's, there, there is also that innate learning to want to bow down to the creator, to feel and to see and to know that the tangible God. And that's tangibly living in the Catholic church for me. 
Yeah, I, and you said that. And I'm thinking of Paul in Acts, right, where he he mm. finds that that statue, the, the inscription to an unknown god, right? And he's like, "Guys, you're so close. I know who this god <laughs> is." Right? Yeah, he tells, right, yeah. tells the Greeks, right? I love that. And they just chased him out of town. But I I think that's beautiful. Like you you're so close. There's so much there that's so you're close. So close. And yeah, man. at the same time, you talked about apologetics before that kind of drew you back into Catholic faith. Yeah, is that we? It, it's not going to be. Us with the million dollar answer that will draw in people to our to this kingdom, right? It's not mm. us to say, "Hey, look, you're so close over there." Those, those cool songs you're singing there. Hey, here's what you're the fulfillment of what you're singing. Come over here, and here's why. Like, yeah. it's not going to be that, as far as I'm concerned. I, the, the fruits I've seen of of in the work that I've done here is it's prayer. It's God drawing those people in. It's not going to be it's me with the best yeah. answer, right? And yeah. I got to invite people to come to Mass, too, and experience these things, right? Come to adoration. And I've invited friends to come to Mass, and it's been fruitful at times and, and other awesome. times not. But I think to know we we aren't the ones pushing that thing. We aren't the mm. ones that can, like, rip their heart from their chest and, and put it into the Catholic <laughs> Church. <laughs> yeah, right. Here, now you're a Catholic, right? <laughs> All we can do is is invite and pray and, you know, and, and have an answer when we are asked something, right? But it's not... There's a God who is leading this kingdom and drawing others in, and all we can do is live the best we can as Catholics and, and hope that appeals to people. They, they see us, have answers ready, but it's not us ultimately moving people in. Like, that's no. not our job. Yeah. And, and we can't do that, right? I can't. I couldn't have gone and pulled you out of your church when you were, when you were in those evangelical churches and said, hey, Matt, come over here. It's going to be Catholic. Right? I can't make you do that. No, but how I don't think I, human I, can do that. Yeah. I might want to, right? You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. probably stronger than you. I'm really strong. I work out all the time. I, you know, I've practiced my moves. I can, I can suit. I can, I can bench about like twenty. No, I'm, I'm there kil- kilograms or pounds or anything. Go yeah. But even yeah. a very, very strong man, right? Is not you. You can't do these things, right? It's, it's, not, how, it's not how it works, right? It's even not human effort. Yeah. yeah, even intellectually, I, I can't. I can't argue you into the Catholic Church, right? God has to make oh, move those oh, hearts, man. right? As much as we want to. So I think that's a, a freeing thing for one thing and, yes. and orients us, I think, into a better place where we got to know that you're not the one responsible for, for dragging your family with you back <laughs> know, in the yeah. Catholic Church, right? That's not ultimately falling on, on, on your shoulders. No, it's not, yeah. Right? But I think it's, that's the beauty of, of being Catholic is that there's, like you mentioned, a plethora of different resources, yeah, yeah, different yeah. orders, different communities, different rights even within the, the Catholic you know umbrella that may resonate with certain people. Like my brother has now um, an inclination, kind of a, a seed planted for the Byzantine right because oh, yeah. he's found a lot of solace in that right, for example. You know, so it's like there's there's a lot of beauty in that. And the fact that you're mentioning, yeah, it's not it's not up to us. And I think I'll, and I'll admit this wholeheartedly being very transparent with you here is like when I reverted to the Catholic faith and I read all the Scott Hahn books and the Alan Hunt books and the Passion Major books, I would debate and I'm not proud. Of, I'm not yes, saying this triumphantly yes. at all. I'm saying this as, as a very point of, I guess, a point of vulnerability on my part where I would debate all my evangelical friends. I go in on the Virgin Mary, on where did the Bible come from? And I realized, and I'm not proud of this. I did lose a, a couple of friends and even family members that are evangelical. I like, get to arguments with aunties on Facebook about like, Oh, you got to read blah, 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 you know, about the divine mercy and St. Faustine and all these guys going in and all these things. And I realized, and I'm, I'm still, uh, I still know these people don't get me wrong, but I think I lost a lot of, even though I won the argument per se, I lost a lot of that connection or maybe that trust was a little bit broken because I was so focused on, on winning the argument. And that kind of goes back to the kingdom of me again, whether you're, Oh, I want to believe in whatever I want to believe in. 
is also the other side where it's like, oh, I'm such a champion of the Catholic Church. I need to go in and save these people. I need to go in and fix these people. Like, no, it's not it's not about me. It's about he. Right. So I think those are the two spectrums. They kind of bring it all together as well. And um, I'm glad that you have now this 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 seed planted in you, whether it's whether it be this podcast or a bunch of uh, El Salvadorian women at your church <laughs> that you, you you're able to kind of share this faith because people need to hear from whether it be a, a convert or revert cultural Catholic doesn't matter like we're all the body of Christ and we're all tasked to kind of at least be a part of the body but ultimately it wasn't in Corinthians where there's I think Paul's talking about you know he planted a seed and Apollos yes, helps nurture yes, the seed yes. but God causes the overall growth here and I think that's the most important thing that's amazing. In our case, mm-hmm. Matt plants. Who's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul or Apollos yeah. in this instance? But uh, and I, I've been really, uh, really reflecting on a lot of Paul's readings uh, and epistles through the Bible and your podcast too. So that's been really fruitful as well. So glad you brought up Paul. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> that's fantastic, yeah. uh, Matt. This has been an absolute pleasure. I love this. Is, be to God. This man. is an yeah. awesome full circle moment for me. I mean, this is mm. the yes. it's your fault that we're, that we're here to begin with. Yeah. So listeners have worse, you to right? thank. Uh, where yeah. do you want to point them towards if they want to follow more? See what you're doing things you're up hmm. to where should they I mean you have a lot of things in the go so is there a place yeah. to yeah yes this is the shameless plug section man thank you so yeah so um you can find me everything quite literally on social media linkedin instagram twitter at matt panna that's at matt panna one word um i think i'm the only matt panna that exists on social media i hope um and right now um, as mentioned previously in the intro that i am one of the main contributors and hosts for um Deep Cuts on the Array of Hope Network. It's a streaming service that has a, a awesome Catholic content. Uh, been um, on the second season now, which is currently out on the streaming platform. The first season, you binge the first season now. Uh, and these, these are basically like two to three minute kind of webisodes. If you remember, and since we're both kind of older millennials here, if you remember like <laughs> Talk Soup, on E, for example, or it's kind of like, you know, commentary shows on Comedy Central where people talk about like, you know, talk shows or pop culture references. I kind of do the same thing, but through the lens of the Catholic faith and through human dignity. And instead of like, you know, reality TV, I pull things from the internet, whether they be memes or, or, you know, gifts or whatever things on, on social media. And I kind of speak them through the lens of Christ and through the lens of the Catholic church and through the lens of human dignity. Um, so se- the second season is out currently a uh, streaming. Um, and I'm hoping there will be a third season as well i think we're in talks of writing scripts for that but the first season is completely bingeable if you want to watch that if you're doing exodus 90 and you can only like watch catholic content for lent or whatever you know it's only That's like perfect. nine episodes or whatever it's fantastic I have, and not just my my program but they have a lot of awesome programming uh kiki has a great show on that they have rise up which is like their full-on live variety show type deal awesome podcast with great speakers uh ben carson leodaro like a bunch of great catholic and christian uh figures so i highly recommend it uh it's watch.arrayofhope.net that's watch.arrayofhope.net and it's basically like your your typical streaming service you, you pay for it uh monthly or annually and you get all these programs kind of locked in for you know, included in the package itself so uh and thanks thanks to ray hope they gave me a lot of just free reign to kind of make my own show and make it really my own so it's been sort of blessing to be part of that man that's awesome and i love it i love it it's good stuff that you're doing there Thank i want to get you, i, I want to get internet famous enough to be to be showcased on your show like make a meme that's good enough that you can <laughs> you then go. like take a part that's keep tweeting brother something is, yeah <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, Matt, honestly, yeah, it's, th- uh, first of all, thank you for for everything. I mean, way back mm-hmm. when we go, we, we go way back. I guess technically we go way back. Uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for reaching out for me for oh listening to the Holy Spirit to having on your <sighs> your show way back when uh, to to catal- catalyze 
be the be the be the catalyst. Catalyst, <laughs> yeah. For catalyzation, yeah, catalyzation yeah, for, for this, this yeah. whole thing here because it's been awesome, an awesome ride, and I'm oh. I'm grateful that you you gave me the kick in the pants that got me going and, and doing this. So thanks, man. And God bless you Likewise. and the work that you're doing for the yes. Catholic Church. And uh, thanks so much for chatting with us uh, today. This has been awesome. Thanks for the opportunity, man. God bless you. Thank you again, friends, for listening to this episode of the Cordial Catholic Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. Really, a truly crazy kind of full circle experience for me and Matt. We chatted before the show. After the show, I hit the buttons. Uh, it, crazy, humbling experience to think that, that Matt inviting me on his show back when really would be the catalyst to almost almost four years. Uh, really, we're at this point a couple of weeks shy of a fourth year anniversary of doing this program. So, wow, what a journey it's been from that small seed planted by Matt. Uh, listening to God, prompting him to begin a podcast. Uh, gosh, it's been amazing. So, thanks to Matt. Thanks to you for listening to this show uh, week after week. I appreciate that, guys. Love your feedback. So, let me have it. Let's hear it. We're on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Cordial Catholic. The Cordial Catholic on Facebook, cordialcatholic at gmail.com for your email feedback. I love hearing from listeners. And guys, last week I kind of call out for listeners to tell me where they're listening from and all those kind of things. And I had some of the most fantastic feedback <laughs> possible. So thanks to friends who reached out. It's always a pleasure to hear from you guys. Uh, it's amazing. If you want to support the show, paypal.me slash cordialcatholic or patreon.com slash cordialcatholic are ways that you can do that. Those links are in the show notes. This is is not my full-time job so you guys are really do support this show and make it possible week after week so thank you please share the show with a friend uh leave a rating or review subscribe on youtube do all those fun things guys and help to spread the message of the catholic faith at christ church thanks guys please pray for me i am praying for you too and god bless This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.